race car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over this week in racing. Joining me in the studio, I've got Mr. Gray Warren, Mr. Seth Eggert, Mr. Richard Uden. Fellas, how we doing today, man? Great. Doing good. All right, come here. All right, coming off a great weekend of racing. NASCAR was in Martinsville. Um, we've got the first uh, person who's uh, put their name in for the, the round of four or the, the championship four. That's Martin Truex Jr. A lot of other fun stuff to talk about at that race. And uh, down in Mexico, uh, Formula One in, in North America, Lewis Hamilton taking another win on the season. wasn't an easy one, but it was a pretty brilliant drive. Uh, Lewis does not quite clinch the championship yet, but it's it's well within his grasp. Uh, before we get into that, uh, big news coming out of the IndyCar scene during their offseason, but the, uh, the much-anticipated announcement of who will drive the Arrow-McLaren Racing with Schmidt-Peterson cars, uh, which folks just like to call that spam for short, mix them up. Uh, but that announcement was made today, and the two drivers will be the two most recent Indy Lights champions, and that being Oliver Askew and Pato Award. Uh, Award, who was released from the Red Bull Junior program uh, that he was uh, running some Super Formula with. Uh, I mean, Award, poor guy, jumped through a lot of hoops last year. Uh, he was initially promised a full-time ride with... Um, the Harding-Steinbrenner operation and that kind of fizzled out. He ended up uh, getting a bit of a part-time role with Carlin, um, did a Formula 2 race with the Red Bull program, did some super Formula races. But uh, at the end of the day, I think this is the opportunity that uh, that he's earned after jumping through all these hoops. It's going to be a fine opportunity. And then Askew, of course, who's just graduated from Lights, um, is bringing his scholarship money to the program. As if McLaren needs some more money, they've got that million dollars there. So um, a, a full lineup of youth, uh, which some think that's a good idea. Some think, uh, why would you have, you know, have an experienced guy and a new guy? Um, either way, but it, it is what it is. Uh, the poor guy left on the outside looking in is James Hinchcliffe, who is one of the most popular uh, and most likable and marketable drivers in the series. And he felt like he had this ride. They announced that he was. they were happy with Hinch. Hinch was in the car. Hinch announced he was going to be in the car. But at this late phase, he was suddenly released from the team. Um, so the popular speculation is that they were ready to announce Hinchcliffe and Oliver Askew. And then when Pato Award became available, uh, I, I know Zach, Val, Zach Brown is a big fan of Pato. Uh, that left Hinch 
kind of in a bad spot with uh, nothing solid on the horizon. He's working hard. He's, from what I understand, he's uh, blowing up the phone lines uh, of other teams that are trying to find a landing spot uh, for 2020. And the the other thing that I'm not quite sure on that's a little less clear is is whether or not he walked away from his personal services contract with Honda. Uh, some folks are reporting that that contract is still good, still valid, and uh, Honda's going to help him land in the seat. Others are reporting that, that he walked away from that in anticipation of driving uh, the Chevrolet uh, with McLaren, um, and so that's no longer on the table. But we'll just have to see what uh, happens in the coming weeks with uh, which with Hinchcliffe. So now, now, Richard, what are what are your thoughts on putting a couple of young guys in this in this? It's not a new team; it's a rebranded team. It's the Schmidt Peterson team, but uh, McLaren coming in and bringing the resources. Good move, bad move. What do you think? Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? If it works off, works out, it's going to be a good move. If it tanks, then it's a bad move. Uh, I mean, there's no doubt that you know all, all both of those drivers have got some real talent and. You know, award was obviously been very highly thought of um, in the Red Bull program and the starts he's made in the uh, IndyCar series and the other series he's done this year. I, I do feel sorry for him a little bit. And it has been, as you mentioned earlier, he's jumped through a lot of hoops for the Red Bull program there. You know, he's, he's racked his air miles this year, hasn't he? He did, he did, what, three or four IndyCar races at the start of the year and then went off and did a GP2 race, I think it was in Austria, and then did half a season of Super Formula. I mean, the guy wouldn't know where he's, you know, have to sit down at the moment. And back where he all started uh, 12 months ago. So, um, yeah, there's no doubt there's talent there, you know, to have both of the most recent two Indy Lights champions there. So uh, hopefully, hopefully they'll land on the feet. I think with a new team, it's more so the engineering skills rather than the drivers. Uh, obviously, the engineering you know, I'm sure they're carrying over from the engineers that they had in their uh, uh, previous guys. Um, there's a Schmidt-Peterson without the uh, uh, McLaren input. Uh, so, yeah, I think we'll do okay. I, I think we'll do okay. Yeah, Schmidt-Peterson as a team has been a little bit up and down. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that many years ago uh, when they had a young guy named Simon Pagenaud driving for them where he actually went into the final race of the season with a shot at the championship. They had a great season then. Um, they looked really good two years ago. Uh, Robert Wickens was contending for the – uh, the lead here and there. Uh, a couple of years ago, Hinchcliffe won the pole at Indy. But uh, at this past year, they've been, uh, you know, if, it's, if it wasn't for bad luck, they've been no luck at all. Between Erickson and Hinchcliffe, they got uh, one podium apiece, no wins. Um, several situations where they just got locked up in somebody else's accident, uh, you know, no fault of their own. So it was a very disappointing season. So I know that uh, they're kind of ready to, to scrub the board clean of uh, 2019 and look forward to 2020, uh, you know, rebranded as Arrow McLaren. Um, my only, my, my biggest fear is that, um, you know, f- from the fan perspective, just be, just because we've displaced one of the most popular guys in the series who's got a very strong fan base is that a lot of folks are going to really judge Oliver and Pato very harshly. And and every every mistake they make is going to be oh told you so told you so uh, you should add Hinch in the car you should have experience there so uh, it, it you know it's for those guys they've they've got a lot to prove they've got big shoes to fill for sure 
but certainly I, I've, I've watched both of them drive in Indy Lights. They've both been absolute standouts. Um, you know, the, they, they both won the championship. Uh, so the, I think these guys will do well. We've, we've seen recently that the um, Indy Lights guys adapt rather quickly to IndyCar, uh, especially since – since they've gone with the um, Universal Aero Kit, it's it's very similar to the lights car. It's it's you know it's a big step up in power, but the, the way the car handles, it's it's a very easy and natural transition uh, from what these guys are used to driving, just taking it up a notch. So I, I feel like these guys will do well. But again, like you said, Richard, it comes down to the engineering, you know, and of course McLaren still has that black eye. Of uh, missing the 500 last year, getting uh, knocked out by uh, the Yunkos team, so uh, they they also have a lot to prove. It's disappointing to see Hinge without a ride. That being said, there's at least one open as we were talking before the show. Whether or not he wants that ride where it's Chevy uh, is another story altogether. A right, right, and you're, you're talking about the, the second A.J. Foyt car. Yes. And there's also, yes. Richard had mentioned Ed Carpenter Racing. That seat is, I, I, I feel but like they're taking a... Chevrolet take, again. Again, Chevrolet, they're taking a really hard look at uh, Renus VK. But any Honda teams, you're, you're talking somebody's going to have to add a car uh, to their plans. Andretti's at five. He's not adding another one. Uh, maybe for the 500, but uh, he's not adding another one for the season. Um, Myers Shank is is very happy with uh, Jack Harvey. They're 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 still seeking a technical alliance. They're not going to add a second car. Ganassi is a possibility. He had two of cars um, that he's dropped. He's added one Indy car. Ganassi is a possibility, but he's going to have to bring some money to the table. Same thing with uh, the if Dale Coyne adds a, adds a, a car, Hitch is going to have to bring some money to the table. Uh, Ray Hall is the most talked about landing spot for Hinch. But again, he's going to have to bring that money to the table and the money well, Hinch has to bring. He's going to have to bring money. Right. But there's a, what he's got to bring is a tremendous shortfall from what the team would like. So that that's yeah, where we're he's at. He's going to have to bring money wherever he goes, unless he goes to Penske. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's and, true. I mean, as far as, as far as any team he goes to, he's going to have to, but I think well, someone with the equity he's got, uh, in the sport and, and uh, you know, being a front runner, uh, I, you know, I think he's, uh, I think the wheels are turning behind the scenes. Uh, I would dare say before we go to St. Pete, uh, he'll land somewhere in, in, in a pretty decent ride. I certainly hope so. Uh, the other thing is he's, you know, he's the only Canadian on the grid and uh, IndyCar is quite popular in Canada. You know, they, they've, there was a time we raced three times a year in Canada. We were you know, out in Vancouver and Edmonton and, and Toronto. Uh, the Toronto Grand Prix is still a highlight of the of the calendar. Uh, James is very popular there, but I, I I have a tough time imagining an IndyCar series with no Canadian drivers because we've seen such fine Canadian drivers come through the series. You know, Patrick Carpentier, Paul Tracy, Greg Moore was an absolute standout. Um, Alex Tagliani, I mean- yeah, so. Yeah, plus he's, you know, uh, uh, above is, I mean, aside from his driving talent, which y'all, we all know and, and agree agree that he has, I mean, he's very, very marketable. Very marketable, and, certainly, uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a sponsor's dream, really. I mean, uh, like I said, I can't believe that, he, that he'll sit on the sidelines 
uh, too long. I, I certainly hope not. And I did want to mention something else since I, I did just bring up Greg Moore, uh, but we are coming up on the and when you hear this show, uh, it'll be October 31st, which is it'll be the 20th anniversary of uh, Greg Moore's passing in mm-hmm. Montana. And yeah, it's hard to believe 20 years has come and gone, but I can I can remember that day like it was yesterday because I had I, I had, can remember it too. I had such a full day planned. I went to uh, uh, I was uh, living up up in Jersey. We went to Philadelphia to see the uh, Giants Eagles game at one o'clock, and then that evening I had a Halloween party planned with some friends. And I remember <laughs> I remember I had uh, dressed up like Darth Maul from the the new Star Wars movie that had just came out. But in in between the football game and the party, I was gonna squeeze in watching the IndyCar race and and then uh, that incident happened and and I, you know I kind of knew immediately a, a lot of us did based on the severity of that accident and then the the quietness from the announcers and then the, the lack of a, a, a dozen replays you know what a lot of times they'll show it like, crash over and over again but but this one they didn't so I knew something was wrong and uh, Greg was uh, signed for Penske the following season um, he had a bright career ahead of him, and and then it all ended right there at Fontana. So, and and it's been 20 years, but that's a that's a guy that is truly missed in the series. Now, moving on to, what do you guys want to talk about? You want to talk about Mexico, or you want to talk about Martinsville? Somebody jump in. Uh, go ahead. And let's do the Mexico thing. Get it get it uh, behind us, and then we can uh, we can talk about. Uh, the Martinsville race and preview Texas. Certainly sounds good. So Richard, um, yeah, Formula One in Mexico. Uh, it was a pretty brilliant win by Lewis. It wasn't as easy as he as it uh, usually is for him. So well, let's talk us through it. No, you're very right there. It was. Uh, this is one of my frustrations with Mercedes, the Mercedes team, this uh, last few years. You know, there's a number of. Where they'll go, oh, we don't have a chance of winning. Oh, it's going to be damage limitation. Oh, if we get both cars to the top ten, it'd be a miracle. And they're going to win the damn thing, don't they? Um, <laughs> yes, they like, did. Come on, guys. You know, it, it's almost like, hey, we're just screwing with you. You know, and it's it, that's sort of like, I know, I know it's not, but it's like, really, guys. You know, you, you know you're quick. But saying that, they certainly were the third fastest car um, in. In Mexico, the Ferraris had the pace of them, and uh, Verstappen had the pace without um, without his little indiscretion in, uh, in in qualifying on Saturday. He would have had the pole. Valtteri Bottas was pushing there, coming out the last corner at the stadium section, which is a genuine stadium section there, and uh, yeah, clipped the wall and, and just sort of. He's one of those accidents you often see them at Indy, don't you? Where the sort of car gets sucked into the wall. And uh, he then hit a tech pro barrier head on, which was a nasty shunt there. That, the, you had- Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Had him on the radio. He was pretty winded after that one. Thankfully, he was okay, and the mechanics did an amazing job of rebuilding the car without any need for any uh, engine or gearbox penalties. But uh, Lewis, uh, oh sorry, Max openly admitted, which was a bit stupid. Of him, oh no, I didn't slow down. You know, well, we're out here to race. Why would we slow down? So yeah, you know, Christian Horner must have been like, oh, you know, well played, Max. Thanks for that. Uh, and it was pretty obvious he was going to get a penalty. They didn't actually delete his time. Uh, they just gave him a three-place grid penalty, uh, arguably just being stupid and not shutting up when he had the opportunity. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, every every driver knows what a yellow flag means. <laughs> exactly. You would think, and it was right? unfortunately his his response was a little bit on the arrogant side. With well, you yeah, know, what do you expect me to do? Yeah, no, oh, yeah, he could, he, he could have said I didn't <laughs> I didn't see the yellow. I was focused on my lap time. He could have said anything else instead of saying exactly. I didn't slow yeah, down. He, uh, yeah, that, that was a little bit inexperience of, of Max there. And as I say, a few of the guys at the Red Bull garage must have been, uh, you know, the old face palm sort of thing. But, uh, no, it led to an interesting race, really. And, uh, you know, the Ferraris got away well. You saw Max getting a little bit, maybe he was trying to make up for uh, the his indiscretion in qualifying on the first lap and... Uh, him and Lewis got together, he got pushed back, I think he was running about 6th or 7th there for a while. Then he, coming into the state, or in, in the hairpin in the stadium section, he had very, very slightest of glances with Valtteri Bottas and uh, gave himself a, a right rear puncher, which uh, came at the worst time for him, really, as he it, it passed the entrance to the pit lane, the tyre let go, so he didn't have an opportunity to, to pit. So he had to drive a whole lap on, on literally three wheels. He was looking at the carcass of the tyre came away straight away, so he had no rubber flailing around the bodywork, which you typically see. And then the sort of, you know, obviously Max sort of pushed through from the back of the pack, and, uh, and you saw a pretty static uh, setup there with the Ferraris holding a reasonable gap and, you know, Hamilton sort of hanging on. And then Lewis made a very early stop on a... What everybody, I guess, and myself included, thought was a two-stop strategy. Went on to the hard tyre, and uh, by the time everybody else's pit stops played out, he was basically left with the chance, it, choice. If he pitted again, he wouldn't have won the race. Or he can stick it out, and you know, if the Ferraris pass him towards the end of the race, he'd finish third at worst. Um, and at best, he'd win it. And, you know, the, the guy did. He, he won the race, and he's got to take a Huge amount of credit for that. The way he, uh, um, you know, the way he handled those tyres. Um, you know, Sebastian Vettel made some comment about, you know, if he treats a woman like that, he's amazingly single or something. Uh, which <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Lewis's his personal life, but uh, you know, it was it was all a good jest. You know, it's, it's, it's funny how many people like to just point to the fact that oh, you know, Lewis racks up the wins. Because he's got the best car, but I mean, how many times over the yeah, last that, last yeah. two years, Mercedes had not had the best car? Uh, yeah. you know, they they have had superior strategy or you know strategy that was just 
less fouled than some of the other teams. But uh, I mean, yeah. as, as many wins as Lewis has just cruised to, he's had a lot that he's fought hard for and driven oh, very for smart sure. for. But but again, you know, there's there's a certain percentage of people who just don't want to give him the credit to to, to, to see that we're we're really seeing. Um, absolute brilliance in our lifetime when it comes to Lewis, and I, very, very I've been watching him long enough. I'm, you know, and I've and I've watched guys like Senna and Prost and Schumacher. I've lived through all that, and I, I think what Lewis is doing is quite special, really. It is, it is, uh, and I mean, I don't want to to knock the Mercedes team, but I truly believe this race we saw this weekend was all Lewis. Um, I firmly believe that they expected that they were on a two-stop strategy when they made that early call. I mean, they stopped earlier than other guys, and the, the other guys went out and did two stop, two stops. So I firmly believe they expected to do two as well. Uh, and then by the time it had all like played out, it was pretty obvious that the only way they're going to win this race is on a one, and hey, let's just do what you can. Uh, they were aided by a pit stop mistake by uh, the Ferrari team. Charles Leclerc had a... Uh, I can't remember which tyre it was now. One of the rears, I think it was, was slow going on. That cost him about four or five seconds in the pits, and that demoted into fourth, really. And even though he had a faster car, couldn't get past Valtteri, and in turn couldn't get past the teammate to really challenge Lewis. It was another race where probably Ferrari had the fastest car. Uh, I think that um, you know Leclerc, again, was the fastest of the, of the two Ferrari drivers, but just just couldn't well, get it done. Uh, yeah, it's kind of... It's like you said, though, it's kind of hard to feel sorry for Mercedes, you know, because if, if, when they come along these weekends where they're only third fastest, they're still almost a lock for a podium, you know, regardless of, uh, of it. But Oh, yeah. But, but the thing about it is, is and, and you've said this many times, uh, Richard, when we've discussed Formula One, I think Mercedes' preparation, overall yeah. preparation from start to finish, from – from the from uh, the end of one season to the beginning of the next off season in season, just they leave no stone unturned, and even on weekends where their pace is maybe not as quick as Ferrari or mm-hmm. uh, or the, or the or the or the Red Bull, uh, which is rare. Uh, they True. they compensate with their overall. Uh, uh, preparation that they're right and they're they're going to be there in the end and, and and they can and they can win it you know they're never uh, uh, no for sure uh, and this weekend was actually a prime example um lewis hamilton's race engineer pete bonnington who goodness me i worked with years ago when i was with that team um you know he was a junior engineer at my sort of level yeah somebody somebody, somebody got the good end of that deal didn't they uh, <laughs> no disrespect guys but <laughs> But uh, no, Pete was a great guy, and you could tell then he was going to go on and do things and do good things. And uh, unfortunately, he he wasn't in Mexico and he won't be in Austin this weekend uh, due to some uh, medical procedures he's recovering from. Uh, but you know, the team stepped up. They drafted in his second engineer to take the race engineer's role, and the head of track support from the uh, from the team base there in in Brackley in the UK. He stepped up to become Lewis's data engineer for the race weekend, and you know. Pete Bonington was on the radio from from the UK where he's recovering, and they they pulled it out. And so, you know, that again highlights the the level of um, precision. And 
you know, you see it in cup series sometimes when the crew chiefs are suspended and, and they can't make it for the race or what have you. But, um, you know, the, the relationship, um, as Grail know, between a driver and his engineers and crew chiefs, a pretty close relationship. And mm-hmm. when one can't make it for whatever reason, some drivers react to it very badly. Others couldn't care less. And I think Lewis is quite an emotional sort of guy. So he does like his little hyrem of people around him, his little inner sanctum to to be close to him um yeah so and i'm sure he's yeah. got like like you said i'm sure he's got his his inner circle there that he's but but he, but overall he has trust in that entire team of course of course and uh you know the the, the amount of time they've spent together throughout both of their respect you know the, the team's existence and um you know his career they're the both sort of peaked at the same time really uh, so, so there is obviously that chemistry there that um, you know it's pretty hard to find a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean certainly, certainly it's working. Now, of all things to complain about after the race, Sebastian Vettel evidently had a problem with the design of the trophy. Did you hear that story? Yes, and you know <laughs> yes. what? It is. I I agree with him. I agree with him. There's these marketing obnoxious trophies which you know basically it's a heineken logo um that's exactly what it is and other circuits do the same you know the, the british grand prix has the um uh santander trophy i don't know if they still have another had it recently uh, and actually at one of the races recently uh they actually went out into the uh, brdc clubhouse and got lewis hamilton the golden uh trophy which was a nice touch um and yeah, you know, you look at some of the iconic trophies, you know, in Formula One. You know, you think of Melbourne with that big old uh, uh, Jack Brabham steering wheel. Right. So and of course, used to have a really good. And um, the gorilla, the gorilla in the French Grand Prix. Y- yes, that was uh, yeah, because the native gorilla to, uh, to to darkest France. Yes. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, Suzuka always used to be quite an iconic trophy. That sort of um, red bowl with the three pillars. I think I know they've changed it recently, but I think they've just updated. I think I think it still has that basic structure. But uh, yeah, they need to. You know, they can't become too sport sponsor orientated. I mean, I know how important the sponsors are to the sport and everything, but uh, they need to remember where they come from. I think a lot of the time. So I, I, think, I still think the, the worst trophy... Yeah, was pretty justified. Yeah, I think the worst trophy of all is the... Uh, it was the giant SpongeBob one from a NASCAR race. They uh, had the SpongeBob Kansas, 400 it? and it was... SquarePants 400. Or yeah, a giant, a, giant, a giant image of SpongeBob, yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, you just say to the team... You just say to uh, the team... Not, you can have that one. Yeah, give, or, give, <laughs> you give it to your kid, right? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of NASCAR... Uh, Tony Stewart will return to a cup car tomorrow at Coda, which has been modified to ha- be a two-seater, and he's going to run demonstration laps with the two Haas F1 drivers as passengers. Then they're going to drive it, aren't they? Yes. Now, some skeptical people could say that, you know, they've two seats for Tony because he needs two seats. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, but Tony's not going to hop in the Formula One car and drive that, is he? He can hop in. I don't so. think he'd hop out anytime soon. 
He did. Well, who was it? Was it Williams? He did a swap with. That was McLaren, wasn't it? He, he did a, Yeah, yeah. Him and Lewis did one. Yeah, with McLaren for mobile mobile one bankroll. Yeah, yeah. A couple of years ago, yeah. And then, of course, you know Montoya and uh, Gordon did the swap uh, several years ago in India. Yeah, when he was at Williams. Yeah, that was when uh, uh, Montoya was at Williams. Yeah. Yeah, then Montoya liked it enough that he spent the next seven years in NASCAR. Yeah. So, all right. So we're we're we've got um, Texas coming up. Obviously, this has been Lewis's personal playground lately. I think he's won uh, four of the five races there. Um, yep. He'll he'll likely lock up the title unless something really crazy happens. I think he only needs what three points to lock it up. Yeah, I, something like that. I believe, I mean, it, yeah, but so. you know, this is where the problem. This is where my, you know, Mercedes will put out a press release. Where are we still pushing hard to to make sure we remove any variables in the outcome of the championship and all that sort of crap? You know, it's like you got it, guys. You know, just don't don't take the piss out of people, really. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, he doesn't. He certainly doesn't have to. You know, drive cautiously to make sure he wins the championship. He can he can go go full out and win the race, uh, like he has at Austin in in the coming. In, in the past, so but let's talk about um, you know the the rest of the championship mix there. I mean, you know, Baltas is pretty much a uh, lock for second. Third place is really close between uh, Vettel and Leclerc. But let's talk about the constructors championship. We've got uh, you know, Force India's got a chance to kind of knock knock Renault down a peg. So how, how do you see the rest of it finishing finishing behind the uh, the big three? Well, there's. I mean, I think that um, no matter what the championship standings say, if you look at the most recent form, I think uh, you, you've got to look at uh, McLaren being very strong. You know, they've certainly, second half of the year, they've uh, picked up and they've got two great drivers there. You know, Lando Norris, for his first form, I think he's impressed a lot of people. Carlos Sainz, he's a he's a known quantity and a, a you know a very very competent driver doing a really good solid job there. So I think the future is very very bright for uh, the the McLaren team. Uh, interesting with them, obviously we discussed this a few weeks ago, making that decision to go back to uh, Mercedes Supply. Um, that's a very strange situation, but hey, I'm sure they know what they're doing. Uh, then you've got. You know, the Renault team, there's a lot of murmurings coming out of Renault that they're reconsidering their commitment to Formula One as part of a, a general management review of the organization. Um, that would be a surprise to me, especially after pumping all that money into sign guys like Daniel Ricciardo. And, uh, you know, they've signed a lot of good engineers and, and really, you know, really top end guys from within the sport so yeah but it wouldn't yeah, it wouldn't be the first time that, it wouldn't be the first time we've seen the the corporate end who could really care less uh, that's just looking at bottom line and say sure. you know what are we what are we getting for this money we're pumping into this race program uh when we're running midfield um you know oh, they, they, sure. they could say you know just i mean reno's been in and out of the sport couple of times, you know, oh. as, as a you know, yeah, I mean, the, factory they're, they're team, with, then back in as a supplier, then then back in as a factory yeah, I mean, they're, team, and they're, yeah, they've... They're up there with Honda in terms of uh, indecisiveness, in terms of committing to the sport. Certainly, but, yeah. But um, <laughs> it'd be a shame throw, if they did pull out. Let me throw this at you, too, with, you know, with the... Uh, the, the new rule changes, when is that supposed to take effect? Uh, uh, who knows? Good grief. 
Well, yeah, yeah they, they keep they keep putting it off. Yeah, so I'm sure that's designed to to to, to bring uh, more more teams into competitiveness. I mean, as far as you know, leveling the playing field to a degree, equipment wise. But I but still, we all know that the stronger teams like Mercedes and Ferrari, uh, the you know the cream's always going to rise to the top. You know because even even with level playing field with a lot of the, with rules and things like that, they're still going with their preparation and their 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 resources. They're still going to reign supreme. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think you know Formula One's got to ask, ask itself a very serious question here. What are you trying to achieve here? Do you the uh, 10, 11, 12 of the world's biggest car manufacturers slugging it out in a Formula 1 World Championship? Or do you privateer teams that buy engines from the manufacturers who are a separate entity? You know, I, I, I think that um, you know, technically Red Bull's a privateer team, aren't they? Um, that's a bit of a long shot, I know, but they are, you know. And Ferrari, Mercedes, uh, Red I know, are the, the only true factory teams. And obviously Mercedes seems to have things locked up pretty well. Ferrari aren't going anywhere. Um, so Renault was sort of like, yeah, where do they fit in? They're going to have to do something in terms of results, I feel, to maintain that long-term commitment. Um, and obviously, you know, that, I mean, Ricciardo is probably one of the highest-paid drivers now behind, uh, arguably behind uh, Seb and, and Lewis there. But... Um, yeah, it's the politics of it all are very strange, and I think Liberty needs to work out where they want to be and where they want to go and how the sport's going to run. Yeah, and, e- you and, can't dem- and even if we went back to even if we went back to a constructor era, uh, that wouldn't be a bad thing, you know, constructor with factory support rather than having the factory teams. I mean, that was yeah, the, you know, the constructor era in Formula One was one of the most competitive. Um, eras ever, oh, for sure. ever for sure, yeah, and and now. But it was also, but the problem. I think the problem you have with the constructor era is, as we mentioned earlier, when you you, you pointed to Renault, it's all very, um, you know, related for want of a better word. You know, at the drop of you know Fred, who's the commercial director at Renault, could turn around and say, "Nope, don't want to do this anymore. Pull the plug. See you later, guys." And that leaves the team in a difficult position. Arguably, they bring more money than a privateer team. But, but then, to the same extent, the privateer teams, you know, you look at the history of Sauber, who are now obviously Alfa Moreo, but, you know, and Williams and, and some of these guys, they're far more in it for the long run. And there's a number of occasions when, for example, at Williams, you know, when Toyota pulled out and they lost their engine deal, and when Renault pulled out and they lost their engine deal, and when um, BMW, BMW, BMW you know, pulled out, pulled yeah. Out. Yeah, they, they still maintained it and they still pushed on and they still grew and they still, you know, resurrected themselves. Admittedly, they're struggling a little bit now. But you, if that was a manufacturer team that was struggling in that way, they'd be long gone. So I personally, I like, you know, the series when it is full of privateer teams who have a different interest, should we in the sport and a different understanding for what the sport is about because at the moment I, I, I struggle I, some of them I don't think really I'm sure they get the sport but their 
participation in it is not about the sport, it's about marketing, which is, of course, it's bound to be it's a marketing tool at the end of the day. Uh, at the but, end of the day, uh, though, it's much better to put your name on a winning car, you know, and market exactly. the fact that, hey, we won, won, the, won, is, won these races other than, hey, we, we, we finished winner. fourth, you know. So Exactly. You only have one winner a year, a week. Right, So it's right. very, very so. to market, though. All right, so let's talk about Texas. Now, we've got both series, NASCAR and Formula 1, are both in Texas uh, this coming weekend, which is really not making uh, Mr. Eddie Gossage happy. He's <laughs> He's been bitching about that for a full year now. But um, let's uh, let's talk about who we like um, uh, for the Grand Prix. Richard. I mean, you, you as you mentioned earlier, it's been, been Lewis's personal playground for the last three or four years. But... If they execute, you can't look beyond Ferrari in terms of their race pace or their, their, their raw pace, should we say. Obviously, their performances on the weekend haven't been up to what they would expect. So that's the big variable on that to, to that extent. So I think if they execute, I think Ferrari. So and I would go, I'd, I'd go Vettel. Okay, and uh, Gray, who, who do you like for uh, Austin? Uh, Leclerc. Okay, so that's I, I two. Think, you that's know, two guys uh, yeah. picking Ferrari. No, Seth. Would you like to pick a Mercedes or a Red Bull? <laughs> um, honestly, I'm gonna go with a Red Bull, and I'm not going with the one you you guys are probably expecting. Uh, I just think that there'll be something in the race, and Albon will sneak away with it somehow. That, that, sorry, very quickly. Here's an interesting that'd fact. That'd be quite a headline. Since uh, Albon. Since Albon's been at Red Bull, he's scored more points than Verstappen. Interesting, interesting. So, and I mean, that's purely due to, I guess, not retiring from races, but yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I will uh, take the safe bet and put my money on Lewis Hamilton. So, uh, like I said, we'll have both series in Texas next uh, um next weekend which would be great for the state of texas we'll see we'll see if one hurts the other or not but uh let's uh before we start talking about nascar in texas let's talk about nascar in martinsville one of my favorite tracks gray one of your favorite tracks and uh, uh it's always a fun race so uh seth gray what do you guys uh take the lead and and, and let's talk through the the bumping and banging at the paperclip well outside go ahead well, outside the fact of Martin Truex Jr. actually dominating a Martinsville race for a change, uh, it was a typical Martinsville race from about fifth on back with the beating and banging. When you agree, agree, Gray? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you got guys that uh, you know the racing back in the field is is fierce, you know, and uh, of course the guys up the guys that run closer to the front a little bit better on their cars and. You know, and and don't lean on one another as 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 much as the guys further back. But yeah, I mean, that's the good thing about going to Martinsville. The, the, uh, there's so much to see and so much to watch a, a typical Martinsville race because there's battles all back through the field that you can watch. Not necessarily up front a lot of times, but it's still an entertaining race uh, watching the cars uh, come from the back to the front. Uh, it's 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 always good. Like you said, um, Truex after after Denny Hamlin led about the first 30 laps, Truex took over and led a whopping 468 laps. 
I believe of the 500, I believe, and pretty 464. much 464. Uh, 464, and he was somewhere in that range. But yeah, he, he pretty much was really, you know, unchallenged. There was a couple of times late in the race where uh, somebody could drive up to his back bumper, but that's about as about as close as they would uh, get to challenge him for uh, for the lead. But uh, yeah, and it's it's re- remarkable that you know uh, he he he's only won his first short track race uh, this year, and he swept uh, swept Richmond and, and has won his third. Uh, at Martinsville, so definitely uh, that that group as a team has found something on the short tracks and uh, and has really helped propel them to 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 put them in position to to seek a second championship for uh, for Martin Truex. So we'll see how it all uh, you know goes out goes. There's still three races to go, and anything can happen. But right, but Martin, much, yeah, Martin is safely yeah, in he, safely yeah, in the safely, final round. Yeah, safely in the homestead, right? Which, which is right, right where he's more comfortable than, than the than the other uh, seven guys. Yeah. All right, Seth. What were your, yeah, what so were your impressions? Let, let's talk about let's talk about this thing with uh, Denny Hamlin and um, Joey Logano. Um, let's let's start with what what happened on the track. I mean, well, heck, we want to talk about Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano. We could start what happened a couple of years ago, but uh, let's just talk for our purposes of our discussion. Let's just talk about this past Sunday because it got it got pretty heated in the in the in the pit lane after the race. Well, the two of them were battling hard, and Hamlin flat out just put Logano into the wall. Uh, it wasn't extremely damaging. Uh, Logano dropped back, and so Logano kind of spun on purpose to bring out the caution. Uh, his tires were up after the spin. The crew even mentioned that, and he keyed up on the radio. Uh, you sure about that? I just spun. But anyway, moving on from that part, uh, Logano approached Hamlin after the race. Uh, the two of them exchanged words. Logano shoved Hamlin, Hamlin went to walk away, Hamlin went to follow, and one of the crew members decided to get involved, and all hell broke loose. Yeah, that, that crew member was suspended. Yes, for one week. And, yeah, because Gray, uh, Gray, Gray the, talked about this at length uh, last week, about how he feels that the crew members should just stay hands-off, and, and Gray, I believe you're 100% correct there, but it was... Really, kind of the crew guys that that, that escalated that, well, I, uh, you know. Yeah, any any time any time the crew guys get involved in it, it does escalate, and that's 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 what I've been I've long been a proponent of NASCAR stepping in and be and treating that harshly. And I, by harshly, I mean uh, they've got film of it. Any crew member that's involved in it, any in any in an altercation, anyway, I don't even think they should come over and lay their hands on either driver, pulling them back or anything. They should stay away, not even try to break up the fight. Let the NASCAR officials do it. Let them get in the way because if you got somebody tugging and pulling on somebody, it, it, it's it's misconstrued and and uh, like you said, all hell breaks loose. So all hell breaks loose. Yes. Time they, yeah, they need to they need to NASCAR needs to come in and set the tone and make it a harsh suspension, not slap not a slap on the wrist for a race or two. They really need to come in and get their attention, and I mean set them down for uh, you know a month. Uh, uh, Four races, anywhere to six races, 
to let them learn the lesson and they'll stay out of it. And you, I, I, and I, listen, I've done, I've been on pit road for, was on pit road for 25 years and been in the middle of several of these uh, things like this. Other crewmen will tell you, well, he's my driver and they're going to defend their driver. Let me tell you something. Those guys are out there fighting with 3,400-pound pieces of steel. They can more than handle themselves man-to-man, throwing hands, and they don't need your help to come in and get involved in it. I, I'm sorry. I, I agree uh, with you. I agree with you, Grant. But let's talk about Joey Logano because this isn't the first time that somebody has just intentionally put Joey Logano in the wall. I mean, famously, there was the Matt Kansas thing, which also happened at Martinsville, and, and really it, it took Joey out of the uh, – out of out of the chase after he had you know swept uh, the middle section of the um, the chase there. Um, I mean, is Joey that abrasive of a driver, or is the per- his personality that abrasive? I'm I've met Joey Logano a couple times and I found him to be a, a really pleasant guy, but uh, it just seems like he's totally different behind the wheel, as a lot of these guys are. But um, he's aggressive. Yeah, yeah. So. But, but it just seems like he rubs, in a, rubs you, his competitors the wrong way. Well, you look. I'm gonna throw two different two different things out there. Joey is aggressive when it comes comes down for a chance to win the race. He will get. He will race you hard to win the race. Joey's not somebody. And on the other hand, you got a Ryan Newman who will race you tooth and nail for twentieth place. He's not gonna give up. He's not gonna give up at all. And people have their own opinions of both, whatnot. Joey's problems come always when he is he's up running up front in a position to win. That's where he got in trouble with Kenseth, and that happened. You go back to last year at Martinsville, him and uh, him and Truex uh, uh, getting kind of rough there uh, to to win the race, and, and other things down the road. You know, he, he but he's always it's always running up front uh going for a win you know and 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 he he you know he's going to pull out all the stops and i'm sure roger penske is going to stand in his corner no matter what he does because that's what he pays joey to do right or wrong or different whatever you think about it he pays joey logano to get out there and go win races and that's what joey's joey's trying to do and he puts himself in position to get in these confrontations uh, and he ends up in them, but I tell you, but he doesn't back away from them. You know, what I mean, he he's gonna stick his nose in there, so he's not he's not shy about doing it. So, but I guess with you know, uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna dish it out, you're gonna have to take it too. So there's a there's a two way street involved in that. Yeah, I mean, I personally, as from a from a fan perspective, I, I really like Logano, but but there are a lot of people that, that just don't. And for that reason, but but I guess you know NASCAR needs its you know needs its villains as well. well. And uh, we've got Kyle Busch, yeah, we like yeah. to villainize, and and Joey Logano's right up there. Well, you got you know that's what that's what the fans clamor for. They clamor for 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 beating and banging and close racing and guys leaning on one another. And you got guys like Kyle Busch, you know that that'll get in there and do it, mix it up, and and Joey Logano mix it up. So you know you got to what do you want? You want you guys to get out there and act gentlemanly and, you know, and not rub. And, and you know, if a guy's going to, like at Martinsville, he's going to, even if the guy's close enough to get to the guy's bumper, you want to see him just follow the guy across the across the finish line and, 
take second or you want to see him get up there and mix it up and try to win the race from second? Certainly, you know, certainly, yeah. You know, that's, that's the way I feel about it. Because then, then the other thing is you figure this whole this whole chase situation, it's a real pressure cooker for these guys. You know, it's especially when you get you get down to this last round here, it's it's you know, you, you've got your shot to get to get to Homestead or or you're you're racing for, you know, fifth place. Uh, and it's, well, it's a lot of pressure, chance, and we've so, seen, right. yeah, we've seen a couple of uh, just really kind of heated things. Yeah, uh, sure. the, I remember it was at Keselowski and Jeff Gordon several years ago at the Texas round. Right. Uh, they just because there's a lot of pressure on these guys. So now yeah. speaking of the pressure, let, let's talk about the guys in the bottom half of those eight. We got a couple guys in real trouble. Chase Elliott, the poor guy, has uh, had mechanical issues once again. Now, 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 Seth, uh, the chase is in real. Uh, real chase trouble, <laughs> I guess. He, so. he is in real playoff trouble, yes. Uh, he is currently 44 points behind. Uh, he blew an engine five, five laps into practice. Then he climbed all the way from starting last to be in the top ten in stage one. Uh, first pit stop of stage two, uh, he breaks an axle. So they go, they change the right side axle in a lap under caution. Leaves the pit box, left side axle breaks. Is, is that just dumb yeah. luck or is that poor preparation, Gray? No, it's not poor preparation. I think basically they're trying some stuff. It's a, it's a part issue. Uh, uh, axles, you don't see axles break like you used to. Uh, but, you know, uh, I think maybe they're... Uh, they might be pushing the envelope with some of their stuff, and that uh, that was what you saw happen. Possibly, I'm, 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 it's just you know speculation on my part. Yeah, and we but, don't uh, we don't see tons of blown engines in NASCAR either. I mean, it's no, no, I mean, now, so know, I, I don't know if they're they're pushing the envelope like you said, or if it's just. Uh, but again, you know, the, well, the, like we talked about being a pressure cooker, it's it's that same way for the teams and mechanics as well. The format itself stirs the pot. I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's what you want. And uh, that's what you like to say. It's just it's sheer speculation on my part. That, but, I, I, you know, I know axles are things that the guys uh, continually, you know, they look for edge in any way they can. And, and part of their, you know, the axles could have been part of their package that they were they came with. And, and uh Something broke. You know, they could have been trying new, something new, something different, or something they done, something they used before, and just, uh, just you know, had a had a bad uh, a bad run of them. You know, so it's hard it's hard to say, uh, you know, what what uh, what happened. But and, you know, he's got himself in a position there where he goes to Texas or or, or Phoenix. He's he's in he's definitely must win. He's going to have to they're going to have to lap stops and. See what they could do, but that team is, you know, more than capable of, of getting the job done too. Oh yeah, they've been they've been brilliant at times this year. They sure have. So now, Seth, now, Seth, who else is right there near the bottom? Uh, Kyle Larson. He is currently twenty four points out. Then you have Ryan Blaney and Kevin Harvick, who are twenty five and twenty four point, or sorry, uh, fifteen and fourteen points out, respectively. So yeah, so these, there, there's some guys seriously looking for a win in the next two rounds, uh, which will be Texas and then Phoenix, correct? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yes. And you know, yeah. look, you know, you you used you know a couple a couple of years ago, uh, you you know you'd circle that Phoenix race and 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 you would 
write in Kevin Harvick as uh, as as pretty much a shoe in. But the last uh, three or four races out there, they have not uh, shown the dominance that they they previously had shown. Well, so, uh, that's since the most recent con- uh, reconfiguration as well, right. mm-hmm. which. Since then, it's essentially gone from Kevin Harvick's playground to Kyle Busch's playground. Right. They yeah. really didn't reconfigure the so, track yeah, so much, did point. they? They just moved the start-finish line, or, or did they or did they reconfigure the actual service of the track? They moved the start-finish line, and they uh, reconfigured essentially the apron area of turn one, and, or well, what's now turns three and four, onto what is now the front stretch. So there is a little bit of difference, not major. Uh, so it it's really in the eye of the beholder to yeah. a certain degree. Well, but yeah, it's a great point. It looks like uh, yeah, Harvick is not quite the shoe when he once was. Yeah, I mean he could he would go out there, you know, he he went out there on a streak of about six or seven races, and he was the dominant car. Not he didn't win them all. But he was the dominant car there. You know, he he you know qualify well, lead lead a uh, the most or a good good bit of laps out there. And in, in here in the last uh, probably and two and, and to Seth's point, not not only they they've done slight modifications to the track, but you know we're looking at uh, probably a couple of different variations and a couple of generations of uh, of rule changes too uh, have come down the pike since. Since he since his little uh, run of dominance out there too, so uh, that's probably got a little bit to do with it too. The cars are, you know, we're not comparing apples to to apples when you talk about the cars as well. And uh, so we'll see, but I'm sure Harvick likes his likes his chances uh, going back out there too, because I mean, you know, he he, he for, it's like riding a bicycle. He hadn't forgot how to do it. If they can get that car dialed in, he can he can. Uh, he can make magic happen out there. Certainly. Now, before we get too deep into talking about the upcoming races, the truck series was in Martinsville, and and then there's also some uh, uh, some some news about Matt Tift as well that we want to touch on. So, uh, Seth, let's talk about the trucks, and then let's talk about Matt Tift and his um his uh, struggles with his health issues. Well, in the truck series, it seemed like nobody wanted to win this race either. Uh, People were getting caught up in accidents or just uh, basically playing pinball to get the lead. Uh, Aside from Ross Chastain, every single playoff driver was either involved in an incident or did not finish as a result of a wreck. Uh, So currently for the truck series, the two drivers on the outside looking in are Tyler Ankrum and Matt Crafton. Todd Golan ended up winning the race after... Uh, basically punting uh, Ross Chastain out of the way for the lead about five laps ago or so. Then with about one or two laps ago, Fox Sports 1 cut out. So if you weren't at the track like me or weren't somebody at the track like myself, uh, you didn't get to see it. Uh, The track feed, I was able to watch the last lap and Todd had some choice words for Kyle Busch uh, to stay in his F motor home. F motor home, yep. Yes. And now, now Kyle didn't, because I did, I did see an image of Kyle Busch there congratulating him on the win. So, <laughs> but, 
But well, um, Kyle wasn't on the pit box, so I don't know if he was listening. Um, yeah, yeah. So let's. Uh, so yeah. so let's. There's some background to that, Seth. So let's. Uh, yeah. Let, so, let just go, fill us in, please. Going back to March, Kyle started essentially being extremely critical of Todd Golan in particular uh, about his performance, him not winning in a KBM truck yet, etc. Uh, to be fair, Todd almost won at Texas last year until he ran out of fuel, and that was on the pit crew, not on him. Uh, that being said, aside from that, He's either been caught up in one incident after another or just not had a truck that was up to par compared to whether it was Harrison Burton this year or, uh, say, Noah Gregson last year, etc. Granted, around midseason, Kyle started getting critical of Harrison Burton as well. So both of the KBM drivers have been feeling a lot of flack from their team owner this year. So the stay in your effing motorhome essentially means, hey, we got this, right? We got this. We won the race. Yeah. Yeah, we don't We don't need you to come out and badmouth us. So, yeah. yeah. And real quick before we go on to uh, Matt Tift, a uh, couple drivers earned their career best finishes. Uh, Timmy Hill got his first NASCAR top five in his own truck. Danny Bone making his uh, truck series debut finished eighth and parlayed that into another two truck races with On Point Motorsports, and Cody Robot earned a top ten in his own truck. Well, good for them. Now, Matt Tift, he's uh, struggled with a, a brain tumor, I believe. And... Uh, he had a brain tumor removed in 2016. Uh, since then, his scans have been relatively clear. Uh, he had a medical event uh, Saturday morning in the hauler. Uh, he was taken to the infield mer- uh, medical center before being transferred to Martinsville General Hospital. Uh, Matt Crafton subbed for him at Martinsville. Uh, Tift was released and returned home. Uh, yesterday on Tuesday, uh Matt Tift put on social media that he had suffered a seizure uh, he and that he blacked out for about 90 minutes or so. Um, he The scans were all clear. They don't know what caused the seizure. So he's waiting on more tests. But in the meantime, John Hunter Nemechek will... Uh, fill in for him for the remainder of the Cup Series season. I mean, that's uh, I mean, Matt Tift is a good guy, and I, I hate the fact that he's going through this. So, I mean, certainly we we all yeah. we, we all wish him well and, and hope that his doctors can uh, re- really you know f- find the root cause of, of why this happened. But I did I did read a, a, a tidbit somewhere that the, the 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 brain tumor has not returned. Uh, Correct. So so that's. Certain, that's certain, some that's certainly encouraging, yeah. But but now, at the same time, you know, having having a seizure and black blacking out is a, certainly a scary experience. Now it does put Front Row Motorsports and their lineup up in the air for next year because Tift was the only guaranteed driver to be returning at that time. But depending on whether or not they can find the cause of the seizure, 
uh, it might be a six month wait for Tiff to be able to get back behind the wheel of a passenger car, let alone a NASCAR stock car. And Daytona is only about four months away. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a kind of a long road to recovery. Yeah, so. I know that in a lot of states, there if you have a seizure, just yeah, just to get in a passenger car is there's a there's a, a waiting period that you have to be seizure free for so long. So we wish him the best. We certainly do. But uh, now now moving on to Texas, we've got about a minute and a half left in the show. So uh, let, let's make us some picks for Texas, and I'll start with you, Richard. If you're still with us, Richard. Otherwise, I'll start with you, Gray. Gosh, I'm uh, the, uh, just thinking. Okay, good, Richard. Kislowski. Kislowski. Yeah. All right. So Kislowski for you now, Gray. Gosh, I'm gonna. I tell you what, I'm gonna look at the guys that that, that have to win, and and those guys are gonna gonna go to the front and gonna let it hang out, and I'm gonna say uh, Chase Elliott. He certainly needs one. I said the same thing. I said the same thing about him last weekend. But uh, you know, he, he's getting. Uh, and if he's in a, if he's in the same situation, I'll probably say the same thing next week. Really, I mean, right. Chase, Chase, uh, Chase, Chase. I think is gonna is gonna have to run run hard. I mean, he he doesn't have any choice. He's gonna have to put it up front and keep it there. All right, now Seth, who do you like? Kenny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin, certainly a good choice. Now, me, I'm, I'm going to go with a guy who has nothing to lose and say Martin Truex wins two in a row um, because he's just going to be just as relaxed as could be with nothing to worry about because he's already in the championship four and going to cruise to a victory out of 1.5 mile over like we've seen him do again and again and again. Uh, with that being said, we are out of time. Uh, I do want to thank you, Gray and Seth and Richard. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Speaker, iTunes, and YouTube Podcast. And I want to thank all you folks that tune in and listen to us. Until next week, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 